When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Mason Avenue's Modeling Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Yep, doing good. So promote extend trade, and honestly, I was stumped by this one. But the only only relevant and interesting fact that I came up with here is that in 1927, the cyclone opened up. And obviously, it's it's Brooklyn related and Cyclone, obviously Cyclone related. But I couldn't think of anything promote extend trade to use with that, so I don't know. Any horrible Cyclone stories with you guys? Oh, I hate roller coasters. <laughs> Same. I don't know if I've ever ridden it. Really? Okay. It's just like I don't know. Like I'm not the the daredevil type, so. Yeah. Yeah, I like roller coasters, but I, I was more of a Six Flags person. You Jersey son of a bitch, you. <laughs> uh, I've been on a roller coaster exactly once, and unfortunately it was the Cyclone. And that was not, <laughs> you know, basically... How was it? How scary was it? Oh, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I was trying to impress a girl, and... I mean, I I guess I succeeded, but just never going to do that. But at what cost? Exactly. 
Exactly. All right. Well, let's jump into our draft um, coverage here because this this week, Baseball America, they had a mock draft the other day. And it wasn't just, you know, rankings. They had a bunch of their staff draft, not just the first round, but the first two rounds, the first 66 picks overall. Something like that. It, you know, it's a, it's a fun experiment, but it's not really something to take too seriously because, you know, um, Baseball America, their staff, yeah, they're plugged in to a degree and they do have insider information. But, you know, at the end of the day, they don't have direct phone lines to, you know, amateur scouting departments and VPs of all the individual teams and everything that they represented. So they don't really know what all the teams are thinking. So this isn't really meant to be taken as gospel or anything like that. You know, it's just a like, I also feel like baseball is a little different than other sports where, like, there's more factors. There's uh, the slot money and all that stuff that stuff kind of happens behind the scenes more in baseball than like football you kind of or basketball or hockey you kind of know who's going early there's surprises and stuff but not really it's a little different oh yes as long as you have kansas city or baltimore involved there's always going to be some sort of stupidity going on yeah like you could really do it stuff can really go sideways in baseball Mm -hmm. where in other sports like even if it goes sideways everyone kind of knows when and everyone kind of gets an idea of when it's going a different direction yeah, I mean, that's something like we've talked about on, on the show a lots of different times. Like after the first maybe what do we what do we usually say? Like the, the top tier is like the first maybe four guys. Then you have like that second tier that's like five to yeah. fifteen or whatever. Yeah, and you can't really like float someone in basketball if you're the the Lakers or something, you know, like or if you're picking at the back end of the draft, like that's just not a thing where in baseball it is. So I think mm-hmm. that adds to the to the intrigue of it. Yeah. So, I mean, a guy that might be seen as 13 could go 23. And a guy that could be seen as 30 might go 60. And I mean, look at Kumar Rocker last year. I know they didn't sign him, but. Right. There's so much going on that we don't even know about. Yeah. We'll, we'll know after. Yeah, exactly. If ever, with certain, certain True. things. But, yeah, so, you know, it's important to keep in mind that this is not, like, the gospel truth or anything like that. But it's still fun to analyze, and that's what we're here to do, to have fun. So, with the first pick, um, Ben Badler was picking for the Mets, and he selected Cole Young, a shortstop from North Allegheny High School in Wexford, Pennsylvania, which is over by uh, Pittsburgh. And his rationale was, quote, the Mets are bat-driven, and there are few players more hitterish than Young. He has a chance to stick at shortstop with a potential plus bat, good strike zone awareness, and power that should play up because of how frequently he finds the barrel, end quote. Now, with the second pick, uh, Jeff Ponce was picking, and he selected Gabriel Hughes, right-handed pitcher from Gonzaga, and his rationale was, quote, Led by a mid-90s fastball and mid-80s slider, uses the ace of the Zag staff. His physicality, loud stuff, and projectability make him one of the survivors of the college pitching class, maintaining health and production <laughs> throughout the spring. All right, so before we analyze these two guys, if that's how it goes down, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the Mets' first round? 
Cole Young, and then Gabriel Hughes. I mean, did anyone, like, fall past the Mets? That, uh, yeah. Quite a few. Quite a few guys. Uh, a lot of guys fell that we liked, unfortunately. No, well then, I'd probably be upset. <laughs> yep. Okay, good. I finally got it open. So, um, Dylan Lesko, arguably, you know, with the Tommy John and everything like that. Um, yeah, it's a weird was, one, so. He was selected 12 with the Tigers. Uh, Brock Porter was selected 17 with the Phillies in their draft. Uh, Kumar Rocker was 20. Chase DeLauder, 21. Uh, Brandon Barriera, 25 for the Yankees. Man, I'd rather all those dudes. Yeah. That's how it fell, you know? Mm -hmm. Porter, especially. Yes. It would be pretty funny if the Mets draft Porter after the the Lindor stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, what, what was he even there for? I don't remember. Covert negotiations. <laughs> uh, it was the uh, gate. He was presenting him with the Gatorade High School Player of the Year award. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Because okay. Lindor was a winner. No, no, no. Yeah, it makes sense. I just wasn't sure why. And he also likes Gatorade, of course. He he probably signed by them, to be honest with you, Lindor. Probably. Um. So, why do we find Cole Young so eh? Because Lucas mentioned this in our chat that he. Feels like a Cheech pick. Yeah, it might not be, but it it reminds me of that. Yeah. For sure. I mean, there's there's two ways to look at it. You can look at it and say, oh, yeah, Cheech. Basically, his scouting powers, he's a good hitter with not a lot of over-the-wall power, and the range and arm is good enough to stay at shortstop. Um, Like, in in the three or four scouting reports that I was looking at from different places, these are some of the keywords. Quote, steady. Quote, solid if unspectacular. Quote, does everything well but nothing great. You know, not exactly ringing endorsements here. But. That's like. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, but these are also some of the same words that were used to describe Anthony Volpe a couple of years ago. And he is one of the best prospects in all of baseball now, you know? So. Sure. It's just to me, it feels like it's um. So my rationale with this draft and how I would approach it if I was the Mets is logically you're not going to be picking this early for a long time if you're the mm-hmm. Mets because of the new payroll that they now have access to and obviously will use. Like we don't have to worry about the Mets penny pinching anymore. They gave a lot of money out. They're going to go well past the three hundred million dollar tax threshold stuff and this year and next year or whatever. So. This might be your two highest picks in a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know why you're going to go high floor, low ceiling if that's how it comes down. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. Like, I would rather swing for the fences a little bit. And I get that the system's really thin and you need like stability. But also, if you're picking 30 or 28 every year and you're, you don't have the structure for that yet, it's going to be really difficult to get. Like, you're going to end up taking a lot of high floor, low ceiling guys there anyway. So you might as well swing for the fences a little bit now when you have 
top 15 picks because you and you can't get them. It's not like other sports where you could trade up into the first round. Like that's just not a thing. Like you you draft where you draft. So that's the that's the only reason why I don't really like those style of picks that if they would do that or like a, a Daniel Suzak if they take him, which is a highly mocked guy to them. Like that would just feel like kind of wasting one of your very rare high round draft pick bullets. Yep, you took the words right out of my mouth. Generally speaking, I don't really like the idea of a high floor uh, high school player. Yeah, like, because um, he's in high school. <laughs> yeah, generally speaking, I, I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> uh, yeah. Generally, yeah, like if he's a high school player, inherently there's risk that you know the floor that you think is there isn't actually there. Uh, so yeah, bet bet on the toolbox. Yep, and his his one carrying tool right now is his hit tool, and that, you know, is notoriously not... Yeah, the hardest thing <laughs> to tell if it's real. Yeah, yeah so. because, like, all these kids in high school are way better than their competition if they're going D1 or in the first round or what have you. So, like, are they professional baseball good, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, well... It's a consensus that Young is a very pick. Uh, what also, about there's a, there's a way that the draft falls where he's not because everyone exciting gets taken really quick and you know, but or yeah, you pick I mean, 14 instead of 11 and that it feels is a little true. different. That is true. At the same time, though, I feel like there are other, like, let's say worst case scenario, every single player that we like somehow gets taken before the Mets pick. Agree. I I there, already know. What there, you know. Like, yeah. yeah, there's still more intriguing guys, I feel, anyway. Yes. I would rather take a really... I'd rather reach for a risk, honestly. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago... I mean, I guess at this point it was like 10 years ago. Uh, I think it was twenty the 2012 draft when Giolito got selected. Mm-hmm. And I was very like against that because at the time it's like, well, the Mets' financial situation is so shitty and we don't know you know, what's going to be and maybe taking the risk on a guy like Giolito who could end up being a complete bust and never actually, you know, progressing in any meaningful way coming back from Tommy John is not the best idea. Now it's the complete opposite where <laughs> the team is flush with money. Hell shoot for the stars. Yeah. And like, I don't know. They've, I've seen enough high ceiling, low, I mean, high floor, low ceiling guys in the Mets that the Mets draft and they just never take that next step. And they don't have the they don't have really good player development yet because everyone's still like Epler hasn't hired his guys and it's still early for Cohen to really make his impact, so pretty much. Alright, now how about uh Gabriel Hughes with the second pick, the fourteenth overall? He like I said, he's from Gonzaga. He posted a three twenty one ERA in ninety eight innings this year. Uh, allowed 76 hits, walked 37, and struck out 138. And then for his career there, he has a cumulative 305 ERA with a 3.4 walks per nine and a an 11.5 strikeouts per nine. 6-4, he's good, good, good size, you know, should be able to log innings, uh, has a mid-90s fastball. He could ramp it up to almost triple digits, and then he complements it with a high 80s slider and a decent changeup. Um, command of all three has kind of been a little iffy over the course of his career, but he has shown improvement in that regard, and he did knock off an entire walk per inning uh, this year, 
as compared to last year. So, honestly, it's like, I don't know. I have no problems with Hughes in and of himself, but he just sounds, he, he just sounds a little boring. He's kind of like an improved Justin Dunn. Both of, both of these feel like picks you take at 25. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not 11 and 14. I think that's where my main gripe would be in that scenario. Pretty much. They're just okay players, but, you know, yeah, they don't, it, it, they don't it, stand out. It feels like late-round stuff. I mean, late-first-round stuff that you're taking in the front half of the first round, and I feel like that's not what the Mets need to be doing right now. All right, well, a little more intriguing was the second pick, the second round pick, I should say. Um, with this second round pick, the 52nd pick overall, Josh Norris was selecting the Mets, and he went with Ben Joyce, a right-handed pitcher from Tennessee. And his rationale was, <laughs> it was good rationale, really. Um, quote, the hardest throwing amateur pitcher of all time. Sounds like a good starting point to me. Have you seen him play, though? Uh, I have not. That fastball straight as an arrow. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He does. He does throw from a kind of weird, like he push. He like drops and drives, and his like arm angles almost sidearm. So it's like very. It is a little, yeah. Like I don't want to call it like a bad fastball because it's definitely not when it's that hard. But there's just no deceptiveness to it outside of being fast, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, like he's throwing like 103 or some shit like that. Like. <laughs> It's <laughs> yeah. it's going to get some batters out no matter what, even at the major league level. But you need to do other stuff too. Like you can't just rely on throwing even that hard. Like Michael Otanis is the same way. He throws 102, and I don't think he's a particularly good prospect because it's straight and it's going to get lit up at the higher levels. You know, because there's no and other he has stuff. no idea where it's going. Exactly. Like like he gets hyped up a lot because he it's he's a highlight reel scout when you watch him strike out the side and throw 102 eight times but when you get to face ronald acuna he doesn't care that it's that hard you know what i mean like so like you need to do other stuff too even if you throw really hard um and the stuff isn't there for him and i feel like with joyce like it's exciting and it's fun but also i could see him having some pitfalls for that reason and also he's probably a reliever so (laughs) Yeah, in in total, he has thrown 32 innings, 32.1 innings this year. He's a reliever. He had one start, um, 223 ERA. You know, it's it's misleading again because he's a reliever. 18 hits allowed, 14 walks, 53 strikeouts. But you pay to see, you know, you pay to see 105 on the radar gun. And he's capable of doing that, which is... Oh, I'm not saying I wouldn't draft him. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, like it sounds like I'm disparaging the pick. I would be fine with it, even happy with it. But if I was the Mets and I would do that, I would absolutely just throw him right in the bullpen and tell him to get as ready as possible for the big leagues. Yeah, we want you yeah. throwing three innings in, like, you know, important games down the stretch. Yeah, like, just throw him in... in just try to get him on the fast track to the majors yeah. as quick David as possible. David Price him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And like, that's... if he can start, you figure that out later. But just at, honestly, try to just play that stuff up for an inning or two at a time. Mm-hmm. And depending on other players that the Mets select with the first 
first the two first round picks and then you know rounds three four whatever it could be an interesting money saving pick there because he literally has like 50 innings to his entire career um yeah he didn't pitch in 2019 which is his freshman year because of injuries he missed most of 2020 because of corona obviously and then he missed all 2021 because of tommy john so it's pretty incredible he's doing that like a year out of tommy john yeah no you know <laughs> makes you wonder. if he could hit 105 after tommy john like what the hell was he doing before but you know this isn't a guy that is gonna you're not gonna need to go over slot with him um you know the slot value for that selection is 1.4 million dollars even if they sign him for a million and i think that might be even a little much you know you're that's almost five hundred thousand dollars right there that could be allocated to whatever else that they're doing so yeah that's a good point especially with like if they get really spicy in the early rounds mm-hmm. in, the, in the first round i mean because this is the second round so this is the early rounds but like if they really want to if they really want to go nuts and try to get some really high end talent and float some guys or whatever then you could kind of get you could kind of have a fun way to senior sign people and not totally punch the rest of the draft yep I and mean, this is a guy that is it's like uh you know a, a useful selection in terms of you know he could throw 105 he's gonna he's gonna strike guys out he's gonna move fast he's he will have utility as a pitcher but also you can then you know a strategic pick as well mm-hmm. so yeah i wouldn't be angry if he was selected but it's i don't know i feel like a pick like that like picking him has a little a few more pitfalls than you would think but also it's fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) i feel like Like i would love to i know he wouldn't probably go to brooklyn for long but if he goes to brooklyn and is throwing 103 i'd be like oh wow yeah like (laughs) you know that's a pick that I feel like you could only really grade in the context of the rest of the draft. I agree if, with that. If the Mets pick, you know, Hughes and Young with with their first round picks, and then pick, you know, and uh, uh, Joyce with the second round pick, it's like, well, now it's it's a little. Mm. But if they have two, you know, balls off the wall picks with their eleven and fourteen, and then pick him, it's like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So. And then obviously everything that comes after the next bunch of rounds, but yeah, so it was uh, two more guys to add to the uh, list of possibilities that we've seen other outlets come up with the Mets picks. Man, I really want it to be draft time. Yeah, well, we got you know we got a couple of was like three weeks at this point, something like that. Yeah. Can't wait for yeah taking taking a day or two off to just freaking sit in front of the uh, computer and just down coffee and write and write and write and write. No sleep. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. So let's shift our attention now to the actual Mets. And we're recording on a Saturday, so the week isn't over. So we're going to be missing a couple of games here. But Syracuse, they are playing the Rochester Red Wings right now. They are 2-2 two and two against them, which puts them 27-42 and 42 on the year, which leaves them in second to last place in the International League East Division, 13 games behind Buffalo. Um, really, the only players of note, Mark Vientos, he's cooled off a little bit as compared to his May, but he's still having a pretty strong June. Um, in 12 games, he's hitting 265, 379, 510, with four homers, eight walks, and 18 strikeouts. And since May 1st, when he, you know, when the calendar turned May, he's hitting 302, 396, 586, with 10 homers, 16 walks, and 43 strikeouts. So that'll play. Um Another guy that got off to a rough start of the season, but he's really turned it on, not just this week, but all all of June, is Travis Blankenhorn. And basically 20 games in June, he's hitting 395, 459, 645, with four homers, four steals, eight walks, and 16 strikeouts. But, I mean, good for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's like these two guys are just, I don't want to say they're blocked, but, you know, these are not positions that the Mets need necessarily. They have, you know, guys on the major league roster right now that can take over if the everyday players are just kind of going through slumps or hurt or whatever else. So, uh, you know, the, the drums are not banging for either Vientos or Blankenhorn right now. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Vientos in like a DH role at some point. Uh, yeah, I think... They're both 100% going to get playing time this year. At some yeah, point. like, honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Vientos is kind of soon. Like, Blankenhorn is, is like, kind of in the middle of being a prospect, and not, he's a quad A player, really. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I guess you could put him on the major league roster over Dom, but you got to clear a 40 spot for him, and who are you going to do that with? And, but with Vientos, like, if Dom can't hit and JD gets hurt or something... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up because of a J.D. Davis injury or just general J.D. Davis uh, bad play. Like, he's a league average hitter, but you could improve on that. And if you think Vientos is an improvement on that, you could find a space for him easier. Yeah, he's – him being on the 40-man Vientos is – it makes his life a lot easier. And I was talking about this with someone, but – they really need to figure out what they need at the deadline. <laughs> like, and a good way to do that is these prospects, you know, like mm-hmm. if you call up a Vientos or a Beatty or uh, Alvarez, if you want to go crazy and you figure out what you need at the deadline, cause you need a, they, they're very good, but they still need pieces. So you have a few weeks to figure that out. And Vientos is going to do that in AAA. 
Very true. All right. Uh, next up with the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They are two and two against the uh, Reading Fighting Phils. And that puts them at 26 and 41 on the year, which is 17 games behind the Hartford Yard Goats, who are now in first place in the International League um, Northeast Division. Uh, so who do you want to talk about first? Because we have Alvarez, we have Beatty, we have Mauricio. Put Alvarez in Syracuse. <laughs> I don't even want to see him in Syracuse. I feel like it's just further away. It's easier to go see games that involve Binghamton than, than it does uh, Syracuse. But Fine, put him in Queens. Well, well oh, okay. No, he's got to make one trip to Worcester first. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, like, I, I've i kind of been talked into it, to the calling up Alvarez to see if he sticks, and if not, just send him the AAA after, because he's destroying AA right now, like just hitting home runs almost every day. He should be a triple-A, I think. At, at the very least, yes. Well, he had a 21-game on-base streak, and it ended. So, trade. Um, in this current writing series, he is 5-17 with two homers and six walks. Seven, technically, if you want to include an intentional walk. And just two strikeouts. Uh, you wanna, Anyone want to guess what his numbers for June are? His slugging is probably insane. All right, so his batting average, 296. On base, 407. Slugging, 718. Yeah. Six doubles, nine home runs, 13 walks to 18 strikeouts. But you want to know the craziest thing about that line, I think? Go ahead. He's hitting 296, and he has a 283 bat Getting unlucky. Yeah, he is getting unlucky. I mean, he's done with double A. Like, oh, yeah. Like in the beginning of the year, the pitchers adjusted to him like every every scouting report is going to do. And he adjusted to that. And here we are. He's hitting 300 in June. Yep. Um. All right. Brett Beatty. He he also has a pretty big uh, streak. He has a 15 game hitting streak as opposed to Alvarez's on-base streak. And in this Reading series, Beatty is hitting 429, 556, uh, 643, with a homer, three walks, and five strikeouts. And in June as a whole, he is hitting 343, 422, 521, with a double, four home runs, and eight walks to 19 strikeouts. And considering that in April and May combined, he had three home runs. And then now in June, he already has four, and we still have, like, maybe four or five more games to go in June. You know, whatever whatever it was that put him on the DL at the end of May, I guess it was, if it was a legit physical thing, that's that's cleared itself up. Or if it was a mental thing, he got himself straight, or whatever it is. Because you can't really argue with the numbers that he's putting up. Um... Ronnie Mauricio. Poor Ronnie Mauricio. He's one for 17 in this Reading series. You want a silver lining, though? I guess. That one hit that he has is a home run, so... He does do that. (laughs) He does do that. One hit, which was a home run, no walks, nine strikeouts in the series. 
So in June as a whole, he's hitting 225, 276, 500. Four doubles, six homers, four steals, six walks, and 21 strikeouts. Please be elsewhere after the All-Star break, after the trade deadline, I mean. Uh, I don't know. It's very disheartening to see. Why can't he be Javi Baez? Right, but I mean, that's how many how, <laughs> how many Javis are there in the world even? I know. And he's been bad this year, so because it falls apart real quick. Yep. Uh, speaking of falling apart, some of them that I kind of figured would, but hasn't. Brandon McIlwain, he was promoted to Binghamton after really standing out in Brooklyn as being like their only good player, and he's actually kept it going. Small sample size, of course, only six games, but he's nine for 24 with the Rumble Ponies with three doubles, a homer, and two walks to seven strikeouts. Pretty incredible, given that like he had no real experience. Not, I don't want to say no real experience, but he had very little baseball experience after a college uh, football player yeah he was a college football player with a little bit of uh, baseball sprinkled in and the Mets signed him he wanted to play baseball and just blown away here yeah I mean he's been good uh I don't know how real it is or anything but it's fun so also pop-up prospects like that help system no matter what yep uh, the other guy really of any note in, in Binghamton, Jose Budo, started the season out pretty strong. I don't want to say he's crashed back to earth, but he has regressed a bit. Um, Redding tagged him for five runs over two innings the other day. And on the season now, he has a 409 ERA in 55 innings with 52 hits allowed, 22 walks, and 69 uh, strikeouts. We've said that he has a super thin margin of error because he's basically, you know, two-pitch player, uh, fastball changeup guy, and, you know, the, the the chinks in the armor there have become more visible, more apparent. He can't yeah. go through, can't go through up a lineup really more than twice. So he's limited to like five or six innings. And, you know, two runs in five innings is a 360 ERA. Not bad, but not great either. Three runs, three runs over six innings, it's a 450 ERA. It's a little bit worse, you know. And... That's just one or two mistakes per ball game to have, you know, two or three runs. So just, you know, not going to, probably not going to work as a starter long term. Probably not. I'd also, it's so weird. How many change up first relievers are there? You know, like Trevor Hoffman. Mm. But I can't really think of anyone else. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Are we are we Eric Gagne posting for Jose Budo? Like you know what I mean? Like Yeah, it's 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 weird. At, at least he throws harder than he did a couple of years ago. I mean now he's consistently, you know, in the mid to low nineties as opposed to being in the high eighties to low nineties. That'll definitely help. But Oh yeah, for sure. It's yeah, it is a weird it is a weird profile. It's a weird profile but I wouldn't mind seeing it in the pen just to see, because I don't think there's much of a starter ceiling. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really the only viable. I, I'm I'm assuming it's really the only viable path forward for him to become a major leaguer and have any kind of impact. All right, Brooklyn Cyclones. Now um, they've taken uh, four or five from the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, and believe it or not, they're in first place. Huh. 
I'm not I'm not bullshitting. As of 9:30, as we record right now, the Brooklyn Cyclones are in first place because the second half of the South Atlantic League started, and they are perfect two and zero. They are undefeated. They are they are alone atop the leadership uh, in in the uh, division, and they're 32 and 36 on the year overall. So. Here's here's hoping they finally get to and then pass 500. I would say though I think a second the second half for Brooklyn's gonna be better than the first with uh the draft upcoming and that pushing St. Lucie guys up to Brooklyn and probably even getting some Brooklyn guys like guys to Brooklyn from the draft itself. Yeah, there's gonna be you know a lot of movement in the next couple of weeks. But uh, Brooklyn's just so boring. Yeah, um, the offense. I mean, we always, you know, obviously it's just this is how it's been for like 20 years basically now. The the offense in Brooklyn gets suppressed because I mean, yeah. Because have you guys just, been to that stadium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, Ken, have you been? Yeah, many times. It's a, it's a nightmare, bro. <laughs> like it's a it's a very pretty stadium. Don't get me wrong, but like looking at it, it looks cavernous and like. It's right on the beach, so it's literally connected to the boardwalk at Coney Island, so it's windy, and oh, it's just like, on those windy, cold nights, the ball just does not go anywhere. Like, you'll see dudes really crank one, and it's like a fly out to not even the track, and it's like, damn. <laughs> yep. Basically, two players on the team have slugging percentages over 400. Tanner Murphy has a 452 slugging, and Rowdy Jordan has a 403 slugging. Everyone else is below 400. Not optimal. Uh, JT Schwartz, he's leading the team with a 266 batting average. Is that good? <laughs> Rowdy Jordan has a 366 on base percentage. That's 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 okay. That's pretty good. But yeah, at least the the pitching has improved. I mean, early in this season, the pitching situation in Brooklyn is pretty bad, which is surprising. For Brooklyn, but um, you know, their most of their starters in June have been pretty good. Uh, Nick, Nick Zwack, he's been basically lights out in June. He's a 0.47 ERA. Uh, Junior Santos was struggling a lot, but he's kind of calmed down a little bit. He has a 2.91 ERA in June. Garrison Bryant, he has a 3.45 ERA. Mike Vazel has a 3.48 ERA. Basically, the only like Guy that's getting regular starts right now, uh, Carson Seymour, has a 4.42 ERA. He's like, you know, that's serviceable, but not great. And I think also in the context of him being a college pitcher from last year's draft, it is disappointing. But hopefully, like you're saying before, Thomas, the the draft and everything kind of injects pitching and the hitters with yeah. some, some life. Although hitters really, I mean, I don't really know what you can do. Really the only, the only the elitist of the elite thrive, hitters thrive in Brooklyn. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Conforto was pretty solid and Pete Alonso was, but other than them, I can't really think of a, a hitter oh, no. who, yeah, really sure. lit up in in Brooklyn. But I mean, even the guys who are there now, it's like how many future, how many oh, prospects yeah. are we talking about there? That's what I mean. Like, because even if you're not the best pro, like 
even actual prospects would be better than the guys who are there right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a. I feel I feel bad saying it, but it's just a cast full of nobodies. But you know, it's here we go. Pete Alonso, 2016, 30 games in Brooklyn, hit 321, 382, 587, with a whopping five homers. Five homers in MCU slash Mamamides Park is <laughs> that's something. All right. Uh, next up are St. Lucie Mets, and they are playing the Palm Beach Cardinals. And believe it or not, they're actually struggling. They've dropped all four games that they've played against Palm Beach so far, and they actually have a five-game losing streak going back to the series before that against the uh, Tampa Tarpons that. You know, hopefully we'll be snapped by the time the show goes live on Monday. But, you know, just just like the uh, Sally Florida State League, they also flipped the calendar into the second half. So St. Lucie is in last. And I can't remember the last time I said that. I guess it was in like April or possibly maybe never. They might have never actually been in, in last place in the first half. I don't really know, but. They were the first half champion, so they have a playoff berth guaranteed come September. They're just mailing it in, obviously. Yeah, I mean, last place is a bad look, guys, though, so come on. Basically, majority of the bats have cooled off all at once. Alex Ramirez is 3 for 16, and they're all singles. But he did steal three bases, and he did, you know, uh, draw three walks, so that's good at least. But... Stanley Consuega is 1 for 10. Carlos Dominguez is 2 for 14. Junior Talian is 2 for 16. William Lugo is 2 for 9. Not really great. Omar De Los Santos is the only one who's really put up solid numbers. And most of these are actually from just one game. But he's uh, 6 for 12 with a double, triple homer, and three stolen bases. So... He can't hold the fort down all by himself. No. He's fun, though. They have a lot of fun players. Uh, yeah. St. Lucie, it's the opposite of Brooklyn, almost. Where, like, half their lineup, I don't know if they're going to be good, but they're fun. Yep. I mean, Dome- uh, not Dominguez, excuse me. Del Santos has, like, 37 stolen bases at this point, which is... It's good to see guys stealing bases. I mean, what was the last Mets player that... Marte, Mets- but... Like... <laughs> They, when's the last time they had one from the system? Yeah. Like, I mean, I it's also, like, extremely easy to steal pieces. In the right, there's that, too. And also, don't forget, um, the Florida State League has the, the pickoff rules and all that kind of stuff. Let's see. He has 39 stolen bases. How Not many bad. opportunities? Uh, 39 in 43 attempts. Oh, wow. No, excuse me, 44. I'm, I'm stupid and I can't do math, but... It's still, yeah, it's a good success ratio. He had one of my favorite lines in the mine in any of my reports this year so far. He went 0 for 3 and he stole four bases. <laughs> and I was like, now nah, that's the minor leagues, my friends. He walked like he he walked and got on errors and then like stole second and stole third and then stole second and stole third. And I was like, all right, <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's that's a fun line. Um, so. Yeah, the, the, the hitters have all kind of been eh. 
pitching, yeah, also, yeah. Dominic Hamill, he had a strong start this week. Um, gives him two quality starts in a row, which is something for him, given the way his season has progressed. And he has a 3.09 ERA in June, so maybe starting to turn the corner, hopefully. Cross my fingers. But other than him, the St. Lucie pitching staff has just kind of been eh. The potential is there, but, you know, just you have to also look at other factors other than like, okay, every guy is going to pitch every five, six days, whatever it is. You know, these guys are very young, so they're going to be used, you know, in certain ways. And Calvin Ziegler and Joel Diaz are, are the most obvious ones that are being used very sparingly right now. Jordani Ventura, you know, he's he's looked good in his couple of starts coming back from Tommy John. But, I mean, you can't just throw a guy, like, right into the fire and, and expect, you know, uh, seven-inning quality games or anything like that. He's only going, like, one or two innings in the start right now. So there's a lot of potential there, but, you know, it can't all be it, – it's not all unlocked right now, I guess is the best way of putting that. But yeah, they are definitely the anti-Brooklyn. It's it's a lot of fun, <laughs> unlike Brooklyn. And then finally, the FCL Mets, and they are uh, eight and six on the season. So go FCL Mets. So yeah, that is the uh, that is the system for the week. Any any other noteworthy things you guys think worth mentioning? can't think of anything honestly yeah, really we're yeah, in a the, just the the middle of the year <laughs> yeah this week is one of those kinds of weeks like the teams are just yeah i mean basically aside from alvarez just really demolishing the baseball it's just kind of been yeah but hopefully next week will be a little more interesting well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at Sed Met Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then. Love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>